Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Delighted to be joined by the usual crew in in a slightly different form, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, my number one guy, yo dude, Nathan Guerra, how you doing? Hey Simon, how are you? Doing well. And Shane Miller, g'day mate. G'day Simon, how's things? Uh, they're good. And now I've got to be honest with you, and it is Shane, of course it's Shane, uh, but it's not the it's not real Shane. Well, it is real Shane, but it's pre-recorded Shane. Because Shane is not in Australia. Shane is in Long Beach, California, which is, of course, the belly of the beast. You're at Zwift HQ, Shane. So why are you there and what are you doing? I was invited over here by the friendly team at Zwift. I think they've seen what I'm up to with Zwift. I ride Zwift quite a bit and I talk about it quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, look, they had um, a few things coming on happening over here and uh, Mr. Steve Beckett had invited me over to talk about the Australian uh, Tour Down Under events they're looking at holding, a bit of a community get-together, and also just to get me across a few of the things they're planning in the near future. So I, I've got to ask you, Shane, it would be criminal if I didn't. You know, have you seen anything that, um, that we might find particularly interesting? I've seen everything I've seen, everyone will find interesting. I can guarantee you that. I tell you what, if you go back and listen to Eric's conversation with um, on the Zwift cast oh, two episodes ago or so, absolute gems hidden in there. So all good, all good. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you by pushing you any further, but, you know, <clears throat> perhaps you're right. Perhaps the best way to see what's in Zwift's future is a really forensic examination of uh, that very long interview with Eric, which which did contain some some things which are worth studying. I think that's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, pre-recorded, Shane. I'm going to leave you there for a moment and go back to live Nathan. But uh, we will be back to you uh, later on in the show. So for now, thanks. Uh, but we'll see you in, in a bit. Well, it's all a bit weird. This. It's all a bit weird. This. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sure Shane's having a ridiculously nice time in Long Beach. I see he's been posting from Disneyland today. I didn't think adults went to children's theme parks, Nathan, but is that me being miserable and British? Um, I don't usually go to theme parks personally, but, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a landmark though. I think when you visit the U S so I think that has something to do with it. It's Disneyland. Disney came out of the U S I think it's a place to visit because of that landmark. But, um, yeah, we do a lot of water slides and things like that up here, but yeah, no, I don't mind water slides. I don't mind water slides. It's giant sized depictions of cartoon creatures that get me, but you know, I usually take my kids mountain biking, so I mean that's <laughs> that's the thing we do. We're a little different, though, maybe. That's a lot healthier and a damn sight cheaper as well, I would think. But hey, listen, I know you have been continuing uh, talking about theme parks. You've been continuing on the um, the Zwift, the gigantic U.S. Zwift North American tour. Still having fun? Oh yeah, we're having a blast. Um, the main highlight is meeting. Zwifters, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, it seemed like there were a lot of people. I would go up to each bike prior to the King of the Mountain, Queen of the Mountain challenges that we were doing on site during the Zwift Tour North America stops. And the common thing was I would say, hey, have you ever done Zwift before? And kind of give people a little bit of an update about, okay, here's what's going to be happening. And almost across the board, like everybody didn't need to be told what to do. They all were like, yeah, "Yeah, Zwift. I'm level 17, level 25. And so it was really cool to meet a lot of real life Zwifters, a lot of people who hang out in the broadcasts. So that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I, I helped organize event, an event in my hometown and that, that was a, a great success as well. Lots of people coming from local bike clubs and it was kind of about 50-50 experienced Zwifters and the other 50% was maybe people who had heard of it and were curious but weren't particularly well informed and uh, anyway the feedback on that event was very good and people seemed to enjoy it and I was kind of relieved when it was over actually because it was a bit stressful in parts but anyway that's organizing events for you and maybe the people behind World Bicycle Relief Day are experiencing a tiny bit of stress because this is a huge event on Zwift it's coming up 
this weekend. World Bicycle Relief is just a tremendous charity and Zwifters are going to be able to get involved in this big marquee event in a really big way. Um, So let's hear a bit more about that and let's hear from Katie Bolling, the charity's development director, and I asked her to tell us exactly what it is that World Bicycle Relief does. Much of what we do is is raising money to send the bikes into the communities we serve. It costs $147 to get one of our bikes, a Buffalo bike, into one of our programs. And we reconnect students to schools, healthcare workers to clinics, and connect uh, entrepreneurs and farmers, if you will, to better market access and jobs, viability, what have you. What? real difference do these bikes make? And I guess it's hard for us in the developed world to think how powerful bicycles might be and what difference they make to lives. Is there one story you could tell me that illustrates that? Right now we're doing a campaign, it's called The Way Forward, and it features students in a, in a school in Kenya um, who have received bicycles to make their commute uh, much easier. And you can you can watch the video at our homepage, which is worldbytesleaf.org. And this story really showcases what happens when girls receive bicycles. Uh, for, for First and foremost, I mean, of course, their commute time is, is uh, cut in a quarter, I believe. But then there are so many other effects of the bicycles in the community. These girls are uh, subject to a lot of danger to and from school, so it makes their commute more safe. And and then you think about the time that you go back from from really having this powerful tool and, you know, you're able to do uh, your chores uh, before school and not maybe needing to wake up as early. You have more time for studying, playing with friends, of course. And, uh, you know, the whole community benefits from the bicycle. So I encourage people to go watch that video. And, and I mean, it does actually increase attendance at schools, doesn't it? I mean, not only does it put the kids in a better place to get the benefit of education, but it means they go to school more often, I understand. Uh, with a bicycle, a student's uh, attendance increases up to 28% because of the bike. And not only does attendance increase, but performance and academic tests and results improve by 59%. Yeah. It kind of makes you feel guilty, actually, when you're riding around on your, you know, ridiculously lightweight, ridiculously expensive carbon fibre bike just for fun, to realise that bikes actually in other parts of the world have a much more fundamental place in people's lives and kind of a much more important place. <laughs> you know, one of the, my favourite quotes from our founder, FKJ, is, you know, um, the, the most powerful bike in the world is not on the course of the Tour de France. It's really in the hands of a, of a mother trying to feed her family or a student trying to reach her education. And those journeys are made on buffalo bikes. They weigh 53 pounds. They're going to be available in Swift on World Bicycle Relief Day. And although they're assembled locally, there's some serious expertise behind their design. Uh, our headquarters, our global headquarters are, are based in Chicago at the SRAM global headquarters and if you go into a testing room you might see a set of zip wheels next to the buffalo bicycle because <laughs> the level of expertise that's going into ensuring that the end user in the program in our programs has a voice in terms of the product and the quality um, the bicycle needs to withstand in some of that in that environment it's really special to have uh, the global bicycle industry kind of um, you know, embrace embrace our work. So how can we help that work? Well, it couldn't be much more simple, really. We need to get on Zwift, on our Buffalo bikes, on World Bicycle Relief Day, which is December the 3rd, and we need to chalk up as many miles as possible. And if we hit a certain target, it's going to cost Trek, the bicycle manufacturer, a lot of money because they're going to make a huge donation to the charity they've supported for a long time. We have a challenge as a global Zwift community to ride 250,000 miles, which will unlock a 45,000 US dollar donation to, to the day's effort, which is pretty amazing. I think last year as a group, we cycled uh, close to 125,000 miles. You know, so doubling down is a good thing because obviously we know the Zwift community has grown and, uh, you know, it's bringing people together for, for a great cause on uh, during a 24 hour period. 
So how does that target stack up individually? Well, let's say there are 10,000 Zwifters taking part over 24 hours. Each would need to ride 25 miles. And of course, several will ride many more miles. But if you want to contribute individually, 25 miles is not a bad target. And there are other ways that you can help on an individual basis. The best way to start is by registering at worldbicyclerelief.org. By registering, you will be eligible to win some great door prizes, if you will. All of Zwifters will have the chance to win some small prizes and uh, um, be part of the big community. And then what we're asking people to do as part of your registration is to create a fundraising page and encouraging all Zwifters to raise funds to provide two bikes through through World Bicycle Relief. Now, uh, this goal is 294 US dollars. And the greatest part is if you raise funds for two bikes, we're in a matching period where all donations are being matched dollar for dollar now through the end of the year. So your impact will immediately go twice as far. Two bikes become four bikes. One of the biggest teams and a huge presence in Zwift is supporting World Bicycle Relief. In fact, the team formerly known as Team Z, spelled D-Z-I, has even changed its name and is now known as Team WBR. Kevin Connors is team principal. It gels quite well with the Zwift community that people can say, hey, I can get a bike to Africa. And if I can get a bike to Africa, I can make someone 15 times more efficient in their transport. And given that Africans, uh, at least the needy Africans, spend upwards of 40% of their time walking from one place to another, if you can get them a bicycle and they can be 15 more, 15 times more efficient than they were before walking that four or four and a half hours a day, that leaves a lot of time for them to do other things, to spend time with their family, to cook a meal, to take on a little bit of education, to be a mentor to their children. So I think it's a pretty powerful theme that fits very well with Swift. It is a powerful theme and a brilliant cause and one we can, as cyclists, perhaps all identify with. But World Bicycle Relief Day is also about having fun. Everyone's on Buffalo bikes. There's a special WBR kit and there'll be celebrity and pro riders a go-go. It'll be a carnival atmosphere on the island and Team WBR will be helping out. There'll be another probably triple handful of us who are out there with the pros from WBR, uh, the real pros from the Pro Peloton. There'll be events every hour on the hour for the 24-hour period led by a pro. They'll, they'll be 50 minutes long, and I think what you will see is a number of team WBR riders involved in those rides to try to use our expertise to help keep them organized, to try to pull people back into the group via what we call our DZI, what used to be our DZI keeper role, but trying to pull people back into the group, trying to help the group communicate and stay organized. So I think some of us will be involved from that perspective. And very importantly, the whole team will be involved from a fundraising perspective as well. And that's what it's all about, Zwifters, raising money to get people on bikes in Africa and make a real difference to people's lives. But we can have lots of fun doing it. It was a huge success last year. I'm sure it's going to be a massive success this year. I'll be there. I hope you will be too. Nathan, this is just, well, to use that kind of cliche, it's win-win, isn't it? It's just a brilliant thing. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely great. You get a ton of people riding for a charity. At the same time, you get a, a bunch of people all getting on their bikes and riding at a time of year that you might not always be riding, especially that long. If you're going to try and really put some miles in and really try and, you know, encourage people to donate through your riding. And so it's definitely win-win. And then you've got all these Buffalo bikes that are being given away to people to actually help them on the ground in Africa with real needs, like absolutely real needs. And so I am all about the WBR, um, and the event, I'm really looking forward to trying to help out as much as we can to hit that goal of uh, 250,000 miles. Uh, absolutely awesome. And uh, I hope we I hope we kill it. I hope we double it this year. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to get on to and uh, stand by live, Nathan, because we're going to pre-recorded Shane to hear his thoughts on WBR. 
Yeah, look, with the Zwift platform being global and it's, um, what would you say, follow the sun, it, it's there's all, it's always time to ride somewhere in the world, be it at the start of the day, middle of the day, end of the day. Uh, it just, it's just a 24 hours of people getting on um, for a charity, raising money. And um, also, I've been, it's what Zwift usually does as well and on a day-to-day basis, it forms friendships. Uh, I remember last year I was leading a few people out for the sprints while I was clocking up the Ks for WBR and I still yeah, added those friends on, on the, um, the mobile app and they still follow me. We still give ride-ons. Uh, it's just a great day, but yeah, for a great cause. It's a, it's a stroke of genius, really. I, uh, interesting, I think, that the that kind of at least one strand of the celebrity and pro rider involvement is 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 very nostalgic. You know, Andy Hampston and the Seven Eleven team. I mean, a lot of real diehard cycling fans will find that name particularly familiar, and I think particularly American cycling fans, because Hampson was an absolute pioneer for American pro cycling, and still one of the most famous images in all of cycling is that great shot of him on Paso Gavia in the snow during the Giro. Uh, do you think it's a good idea to to hark back to cycling history? Yeah, for sure. We've got a lot of new pros on at the moment and, well, current pros, uh, which we ride with almost on a daily basis if you follow those guys. But to bring in the old school and to see them embracing the new technology as well and to be able to ride with your past heroes is fantastic. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's always a, a – once a racer, always a racer. So you can guarantee if you're on their wheel, I'm sure they'll you know, go a little harder and they'll, they'll be watching – um, so if you ever want to you know, chat to them and say, hey, maybe race for the next town sign or yeah, let's race for that, I'm sure they'll be up for it too. OK, let's talk about the Worlds. This was the second event that was called the Worlds that's been held in, in recent weeks. It was another huge community-organised event and massive kudos to Tam Burns for all his phenomenal organisational efforts. Hundreds of riders took part in a team time trial and it was pretty successful. Uh, well, very successful, actually. Some riders, though, and only a few, it must be said, were wrongly routed by the event module, and it did cost some teams placings. Now, Zwift have released an update, which I'm almost certain addresses this problem. However, before that, it was a known bug, and and we do know that Zwift HQ have been working really hard to solve it, and I get the impression that they've been kind of as irritated by it as much as anyone who's got sent the wrong way on a on a group ride or a race and to be fair to them we do know that 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 solving books like this is immensely difficult when 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 the product is in in production and running live and and we're getting more numbers than we've ever ever seen before but the thing i wanted to raise with you nathan was that i sensed a bit of a change in the way that zwift dealt with this and also a change in the reaction from the community. So the change that I think I saw in the way that Zwift deal with these things, which which do irritate people, was that Eric John, who, who is often to be seen on the forums, kind of leapt onto Facebook at the very first available opportunity and basically big mea culpa, hands in the air, we're really, really, really sorry about this. We're really trying hard to fix it, but we do understand that it, it can upset and inconvenience people. And he was right on that, like really, really quickly. And that brings me on to the second thing uh, at the end of this rather lengthy monologue about this um, this event, um, was that that seemed to temper the reaction from the community and particularly from the racers uh, who'd been sent the wrong way and, and other teams or other members of the teams who'd been affected by by wrong routing. And, and I looked pretty hard and I could see no negativity. I could see only understanding that Zwift were doing all that they possibly could to fix this really annoying bug. I think that's a big step forward, don't you? I think it's huge to take the initiative, I think, from Zwift uh, causes a situation where people then can add to a conversation rather than creating a soapbox situation where I'm going to sound off my thing. You know what I mean? And so since there's already a place there in that forum to talk about it and to respond to uh, an obvious attitude of humility rather than like, we've got it all figured out and, and, and even silence, it, it doesn't help, you know? And so knowing that 
that attitude is in there and it's being worked on hard, people are very understanding of that, you know, if they know that. And so I think that was a great initiative for them to take. And uh, I hope to see, we've already seen a lot of that, but I mean, to jump on immediately also and know that Zwift is paying attention to these events and to these races and stuff is, uh, is, uh, is new ground, I think, for most of the community. You're, it's no longer racing is niche, the group rides are niche. They're starting to have a different conversation with that and being more involved. And I think they're going to see a huge response like we're seeing right here from the community that really embraces that, embraces the uh, connection uh, with Zwift on a, on a deeper level. Okay, Nathan. Well, let's leave live, Nathan, and go to pre-recorded chain. <laughs> I, God, I, I don't know how this is going to sound. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's still the three of us kind of chatting about All Matters Swift and Shane in another part of the internet that uh, we're familiar with. There's often talk, some of it jokey, some of it serious, about discounts. So should people get a discount if they're wrongly rooted by Zwift in a big high-profile event? Mm, this is a really interesting one, and I guess it's part of this new technology, a new frontier that we haven't really had to think about before. Um, look, I'd go back to my real-world experience in racing, and I've, a number of times I've been turned the wrong way in a time trial, or something's happened on course that pretty much nullifies the race, or a crash has happened and something unfortunate. So um, I'll relate this to the real world, and in that case, usually we'll get a free race, or we'll get our race entry refunded, but we don't get our license fee refunded. And our license fee here in Australia is quite expensive. It's near $400 Australian. So I think if Zwift, uh, you're in a Zwift event and you do get inconvenience, I think you get the entry fee for that event refunded. How does that sound? And that is how much exactly? <laughs> Zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I, I, yeah, well, you know, I think you might be right there. I mean, if you look at the Northern Classics, uh, I don't know if it happened this year, but it certainly happened last year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see pro cyclists held up by, of all things, a train going across a level crossing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and obviously they complain long and loud about that. But maybe those kinds of things are just what happens in cycling. And maybe these kinds of things are just what happen in swift racing at this stage of development. Yeah, it's a tough one. It really is. I can understand that in a perfect world, you know, you sort of you sold a service and you expect a certain level of um, uh, delivery and uh, integrity of the system to, to stay upright and things like that. But, and I guess mix that with um, a cyclist who's at their FTP or spent a number of minutes over their FTP and then they'll get on the keyboard and get angry. I, I, I'm one of those cyclists. I'll readily admit that. Um, but I always do the whole, okay, give it 60 minutes. And in that time, have I calmed down? Have I cooled down? Okay. No, it's just pixel bikes. It's okay. It's just a game. And was it good training? Absolutely. It's always good training, no matter what happens. So, yeah, I can see people taking two sides of the fence on this one. But, uh, no, that's where I stand. I think even, uh, to be to be honest, $10 a month for unlimited um, kilometers and the amount of training I get, that, that for me is too cheap. Um, if I could pay them double, I would. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty good value for the platform. But I totally understand if people do want a refund. Um, and, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we go with that. Well, welcome to the podcast to Nathan Stoltzner, who generated a really interesting debate on Facebook, and we'll get to that in a few moments. But first, we need some background. Uh, for, uh, and even before we do that, I'm going to say, hey, Nathan. Good morning, Simon. I'm going to start with some questions all about numbers, because ultimately, that's what your story is about. So I'm going to be really rude and start off by asking you, because it is pertinent, I'm going to ask you how much you weigh, Nathan. Uh, I'm down to uh, 292 pounds now. Okay, and what were you before that? 309. Wow, so you're a pretty big guy. I am. And you are, are you relatively new to Swift? Um, I am. I started about three weeks ago. I started cycling back in February. Okay, and did you start cycling like lots of people do to just get into a bit better shape and lose a few pounds? That's correct. That's what I did. And it sounds like you're you're well on the way to it, which is going to be very inspiring for, for lots of people because 
it's a tough thing to do is lose weight and it's even tough to keep it off. So first of all, I'd just like to say very good luck to you and congratulations for kind of starting the journey. Being a heavier guy can sometimes be a bit tough and that has manifested itself in your time up. It was either Box Hill or Fox Hill. I can't remember which one it was. Which one was it? It was Fox Hill. And what's your time up there? Uh, 43 minutes. That's a good old slog, isn't it, for quite a long time? It is, it is. I have to stop quite a few times, but I do make it eventually. Well, that's really good to hear. Now, just to put that into context, I'm sure most Swifters will know, but, you know, the faster guys are going up that in maybe six or eight minutes, and and, and many people will get up it in 10 to 12. So you're you're taking probably four times longer than, than anybody else. And I know that has been slightly getting you down. Just tell me about those 40-minute climbs. Um, they're, they're not pleasant. They're not fun. I, I try to keep my slider at 100% because I want it to be as realistic as possible. I, I feel like adjusting it kind of ruins the, the experience for me because when I hit hills in real life, I want it to feel just like how I've been training on the game. And, you know, it's, uh, I'll be honest, I think about quitting after about five minutes. (laughs) But you're doing this the hard way, Nathan. You've got the slider all the way up and, you know, you're tackling those hills, which a lot of heavier guys would would avoid completely. So, you know, again, I I think an awful lot of Zutters would say really well done for for doing that. So tell the listeners, um, in case they didn't see it on Facebook, what your dilemma is. Um, The dilemma was lowering my weight on the game to something more reasonable because obviously we all know it's no secret that cycling's geared towards people that weigh 150, 160 pounds versus, you know, the almost 300 pounds that I put in the game. Because, again, I'd like it to be as realistic as possible because when I hit the road again in the summertime, I don't want to feel like I didn't gain any progress. So I, I did put some thought into lowering my weight down to about 150 just to make it a little bit more pleasant. Yeah, and I think an awful lot of people would sympathise with that thought. An awful lot of people would. Um, and you posted your dilemma on, on Facebook and it generated quite a debate. What, what, what did you think about what people were saying? Uh, you, you know, I found it interesting because it, it kind of seemed 50-50 that people were agreeing and disagreeing, uh, kind of on a spectrum of, yes, do it right now, to why would you do that to yourself? That's cheating and you should be ashamed for even thinking it. What, what was your reaction to the people who said that you should lower your weight? How, how did that make you feel? It, it was a dilemma, to be honest with you. I really, I, I read every comment that was posted, believe it or not. There were almost 200 of them, if I remember correctly. And I, I really took it to heart because one person posted something. I, of course, I can't remember who, but essentially, if you lower your weight on the game that you're cheating yourself, I, I really took that to heart. Did you? Did did it upset you, or did it just make you think about the decision you had to make? No, I, I wasn't upset at all, to be honest with you. Even some of the comments were quite crude, which is okay. I expected it when I posted a question on there. Yeah. Well, I, I followed the debate, and I thought the majority of it was actually really good-natured. I think people kind of engaged with with your dilemma and I felt that an awful lot of people were, were, were really trying to help you did, did you get that sense I did I did I would say again even though there were some comments that were of the opposite opinion of not lowering the weight I felt like most of them were extremely helpful one way or another and we've got to find out, Nathan, because I'm not sure whether you did actually post it. Um, and it kind of doesn't matter whether you did or not, because you're here now. So you'll be able to tell us. What did you eventually decide? I did not lower my weight. I kept it the same. I think I'm probably going to congratulate you on that, actually. I, d- I don't know if it's the right decision, but it's certainly it's certainly a brave decision. Um, how many times are you going to carry on tackling that hill? Um, as much as I have to, to be honest with you, I'm going to tackle it about once a week and use that as a benchmark to see how much faster I'm getting throughout the off season here. Yeah, well, that's a really good way of doing it. What's your What's your target? On, on that hill, I'd say 10 minutes or so, the average. 
<laughs> wow, that's uh, that's going to be some significant improvement. How, how much how much weight are you you hoping to lose? I'm I'm hoping to get down to about two hundred as my healthy weight. It's no easy road you're embarked on there, my friend. I have to tell you, and I think that's why. Um, all the people who were supportive were were very, very supportive of you. And, you know, come January, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of people in in your position. What would you say to somebody who was wrestling with a similar dilemma? I I would tell them not to to lower their weight and just be true to themselves. Keep the slider at 100 and do the best they can. If if you have to stop up the hill, you can't make it. It's okay. Well, listen. I think an awful lot of people are going to be rooting for you, and I think if um, if people see you on on those hills, they're going to be uh, really shouting out to you to give you lots of support and encouragement. And uh, I'd like to add my voice to that. I think you made a really good and brave decision, and thank you very much for coming on to talk to me about it. Thank you for having me, Simon. The arrival of iOS on Zwift is a big move, not least because it means that the AND Plus dongle becomes surplus. iOS will be Bluetooth only. In many ways, Bluetooth is better. I've used it on Zwift by hooking up my trainer via the mobile link, and it's faster to react and feels smoother. But smart trainers at present give the owner a choice between using Bluetooth and AND Plus. Well, all except one. The new generation of Kirk Kinetic Trainers, a brand that, up to now at least, has inspired love and loyalty in its owners, has done a bold thing. It's dropped Ant Plus and gone Bluetooth only. Here's Jason Overman from the company. The the vast majority of people are using uh, are using any of the software now on a smartphone or tablet. And now that Zwift has also released their uh, their iOS app, that's a, an option for them. But if they're not, then we're able to use the uh, the mobile link app to be able to communicate with it. So we're able to achieve the all of the connectivity we need with Bluetooth. The decision is, to say the least, controversial. The company's belief, as Jason claims, that the vast majority of people use tablets or phones seems unsupported by evidence. And what's more, Kirk Kinetic has chosen not to go with open Bluetooth, but their own proprietary type of Bluetooth. Well, why does that matter? Zwifter and geek John Hampton is going to tell us. But first, well, you should know that John is, or was, a fan of the company. I have a Kirk Kinetic Rock and Roll. I bought it like a week before I started using Zwift. It's extraordinarily well built and uh, super reliable. John wanted a new trainer for this winter, like many Zwifters, and he was, like many rock and roll owners, thinking of upgrading to the new generation. Then he saw the Bluetooth decision. I was ready to go. If I, if I could have pre-ordered one, I probably would have. A&T Plus is clearly the industry standard for cycling, but I could survive if it at least supported open Bluetooth standards, but it doesn't. Um, so for me, what this really means as a consumer, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a software developer, I'm, I'm not you know a, a guy who builds trainers, but for me as a consumer, this means that Kirk Kinetic gets to decide which applications I'm allowed to use. And they could change that decision in the future. They say they're going to support Swift and Trainer Road and applications like that. But maybe one day in the future, I want to use Trainer Road, for example. And Trainer Road and Kinetic decide not to continue building this API so they can continue to talk to each other. John's point is that whilst the Bluetooth decision seemed curious, the proprietary Bluetooth decision is actually dangerous to him as a prospective buyer. That's because the ability of the trainer and, for example, Zwift to communicate depends on Zwift developers ensuring that they write special code instead of standard code to talk to Kinetic. One day, for whatever reason, they may decide not to. Uh, what I ended up buying, which was a tax genius, um, has ANT plus FEC and Bluetooth Open, which means that the two major standards that every trainer on the market uses are supported by the trainer I bought, which means any serious indoor training application uh, is going to support those profiles. So that's one lost sale for Kirk Kinetic, and judging by the forums on geeky bike equipment sites, I'm looking at you, Raymaker, there may have been others. Kirk Kinetic have taken a pasting in public for this decision, but despite rumours they may reverse it, so far they haven't. 
So what are its merits? There must be some. Let's hear from Dwayne Gran, a keen Zwifter and loyal podcast listener. He contacted me to offer some real insight, and it's pretty good insight because he knows Kirk Kinetic well. Thanks to a local connection with the video company, Dwayne's wife appeared in the promo film for the new trainer. He got to ride a pre-production model and he got to talk about the Bluetooth decision with some fairly senior chaps at Kirk Kinetic. So I've ridden a lot of a lot of different trainers, but primarily the Compu trainer. And the first, sort of from the first pedal stroke um, on the Kinetic, I'd say it was really kind of kind of a wow experience. Um, the feel of it um, is uh, uh, remarkably good. Well, so far so good, but little surprise, Kirk Kinetic have long had a great reputation for robust trainers with a terrific road feel. What about the Bluetooth thing? I had some conversations with um, their marketing and development um, people, and uh, I was I was pretty uh, direct with them as well about about this. Um, what you know? What are they thinking? They're not being you know obstinate in any way. Um, what they've actually done is that they've got uh, a good deal of market research um, about this that they feel substantiates uh, their view that the. Uh, trajectory of Bluetooth-enabled um, devices is already much larger, and that the trajectory of growth uh, is much larger in that way. Well, okay, probably true, and Zwift on iOS will increase that tendency. But what about John's point, and one made by many others, that the closed Bluetooth system Kirk Kinetic has chosen is a threat to compatibility? Now, Dwayne is not a spokesman for the company, but he does know some stuff and he's prepared to share it. In private, they have received um, a lot of affirmation about what they're doing because it's a more modern approach towards having a protocol for Bluetooth control. But let me give a practical example of, of how this is not a, that people should not be having a lot of anxiety about this. Their developer shared with me that uh, the primary developer, um, John Mayfield at Zwift um, was given one of their trainers and the documentation about their protocol, and he was able to program, test, and finish the integration, as he explained, in about two hours. Um, and I think that's pretty, a pretty easy uh, ramp of, of development integration. If people are concerned that they're going to be on an island, uh, you know, unsupported, or that their stuff won't integrate um, with, with the Bluetooth that um, that Kinetic is kind of pioneering. I I don't think that that's very likely um, from what I've what I've written uh, the probing that I've done with them about, and I, and I did ask, you know, sort of hard and firmly about this. So it may well be the case that it's easy to work with and it may even be better. My experience of Bluetooth on Zwift has certainly been positive. But why couldn't Kinetic leave the legacy technology and plus on the trainer as people make the transition? It's not that dissimilar to the Apple decision on a headphone port, a parallel that's not escaped John Hampton, who knows both brands well. It's the same line of thinking, isn't it? <laughs> Apple thinks that wireless is the future, and they're probably right because they've always been right in the past. But there doesn't seem to be a good reason why I can't also still have my wired connection. Same with Kinetic. If they believe this Bluetooth closed is somehow the future, that's fine. But I can't for the life of me figure out why they can't also build and support for Bluetooth Open and ANT Plus. You could even put a disclaimer on the box that it's going to perform the best with Bluetooth closed, but we're building in these legacy technologies yeah. so that it continues to support literally everything. The nub of the problem here may well be, as sometimes happens, a bit of a presentation mess up. Kirk Kinetic maybe just didn't do a great job of explaining things, although they have been trying desperately to do so. The tsunami of criticism of the Ant Plus decision has trashed everything in its path. Dwayne Gran thinks this is what's happened. Well, I think they got a little bit on the back foot initially with the presentation of the trainer and their technology and the discussion was a little bit more about why they didn't necessarily support and um out at the onset why they went a different direction with bluetooth and uh they got in i think uh to explaining uh so much from that standpoint that they sort of missed the opportunity to talk about the um, market research they've done and the innovations that they're trying to do 
Well, this has all been a bit geeky. Uh, well, a lot geeky, actually. But I hope it's thrown some light on what seemed a crazy decision. And I think it will be of interest to Swifters as we get used to a Bluetooth future, perhaps. And certainly Kirk Kinetic owners who are very attached to the many attributes of those trainers. John Hampton hasn't thrown his away or sold it, although he is enjoying his tax genius. Yeah, I, I will miss it in some ways. And, and you know, if this tax... Uh, tax uh you know, uh, has the same problems that some of them have had and it blows up in a million pieces, I might be, uh, I might be uh, back on it for a couple of weeks. So, but I'm hoping it's more reliable than that. Okay, uh, time to talk, as we often do on the Zwiftcast, about the racing scene, or more particularly, actually, spectating on racing. Very much your domain, Nathan, and I think you're pretty excited by the latest genius idea from the chaps at Zwift Power. So we'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, let's hear from Glenn Knight, who explains what this new innovation is. I'm very pleased to be joined by a friend of the podcast and a friend of all Zwifters, in fact, Glenn Knight, one of the main men, if not the main man behind the phenomenally successful KISS race series. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Simon. Um, Now, I've got you on because uh, you tipped me off very kindly about an incredibly exciting development that is going to help massively, we think, with um, people watching races mainly. I mean, I think it will benefit the participants, but I think it's people watching races on the stream. So tell us what you clever dudes have developed as a kind of refinement to Zwift Power. Uh, well, it's, it's Swift on board. So it's kind of separate from Swift, Swift Power. Um, and it's uh, myself and Johnny from Vision Cycling are currently working on it. I think Formula One onboard cameras for, for Formula One cars, but bringing that to Zwift. One of the things which viewers of Zwift races struggle with is the concept that there's actually somebody on a bike pedaling through the power, racing, chasing these pixels in front of them. They're not just sat there with a joystick. They're actually racing on their bike. So the idea is that Zwift on board will bring um, a, a webcam view of that racer in their pain cave with their avatar in front of them. So you'll be able to see them both side by side, but also you know their view of the Zwift game. Yeah, I mean, I think what it's going to do, I th- well, I think from, from my understanding of it, it's going to do two things. I mean, one, it's going to bring a completely new dimension to watching Zwift races as, as a spectator. But for the guys like Nathan who commentate on it, I mean, one thing that can be extremely difficult is is kind of scrolling through the rider groups to get to, say, the front of the B race or the front of the C race. I think this tool is going to make that like so much simpler, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. So we're, we're hoping to recruit racers in each category. So you could, for example, pick up um, Rene from Team Experimental, who's currently working with us in category B. Just pick him up and you're there with Rene in his screen, looking through what he's seeing and the riders around him. Um, you've even got the potential to add the audio feed so that you can go, right, huh, we're getting, now we're going to switch to Rene from Team Experimental. He's leading the pack with the cat, you know, cat bees. Rene, how's it going? How are you finding the race? I mean, obviously, if it's a long race, you can do that. But for the short, snappy ones, you're not probably not going to want to talk to them or they won't want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you could almost also, once the race is finished, you could cut straight over for kind of um, team interviews, those sorts of things. Once you see this, and I've seen some of your early tests, I mean, it, it does bring a completely different dimension to spectating. And, and you know, as I said before, it can be a bit tricky to follow the action sometimes. So I, I think this is a, a really great development for, for people who are interested not only in racing, but, but, but watching racing and interacting with the racers. When's it going to go live, Glenn? You know, I think we've probably got a couple of weeks of testing and building our rider base up. Um, and then we'll start seeing it being tested in stream. And then we'll launch it full blown in, in, a, in a KISS event at some point over the coming weeks, really. So where will people find it? Just keep an eye basically on Nathan's streams and Johnny Noblet's streams and, and all the other streams that follow the races in the short term. Ultimately, going forward, it will be part of Nathan's stream. It, there's a possibility that you could add um, sort of the ability to select your own rider from that stream as well. 
Wow. Um, but that, again, that's probably step two or three from where we are now. So. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds absolutely amazing. And, and certainly for, for the growing number of people who do watch Zwift races, I just think this would be a, a terrific development. And yet again, you know, something that's been developed by the community on an entirely voluntary basis for, for the love of Zwift and Zwift racing. So I'm going to do what I always do when I speak to you, Glenn, which is to say on behalf of the community, thank you very much for all the work you do. And um, I'm sure people will will look forward to seeing how exciting this tool is and what a different view it brings to Zwift racing. Thank you very much, Glenn. Thank you, Simon. We're really excited about it. So hopefully you guys will be. I'm sure people will be. Lovely. Thanks, Glenn. So I think I understand this, Nathan. I mean, the best analogy was the one that Glenn used, which was like F1 onboard cameras on F1 cars obviously give a, a much greater insight in, or a different insight into into car racing. Um, so being able to switch instantly to a racer in race, I think that's... Well, I'm going to ask you, you're the guy who knows. Is is this going to be a transformative thing for spectating racing? Yeah, once we get it where we want it, I mean, we're all about quality. We really want to have a high quality stream. But once we get it to that place uh, and we vetted our riders, we know who they are um, and, you know, we get them to the place also for streaming. I mean, it took me a good three to six months and even beyond that, to get my stream perfected to where I really wanted it for my own riding, for for my own casting. So, but once we get them there, it's going to be absolutely awesome. You have me continually talking about uh, and hyping up what the experience looks like for the rider all the time during their races. Now we can just see that live. You know what I mean? The picture's worth a thousand words and you're going to have that picture of them in the corner killing it while we're looking at their avatar, avatar with a great overlay and i mean uh glenn and johnny are doing a really great job getting this set up and we're going to be doing some testing soon uh i believe they can have like i think it's going to be up to 50 riders or something um i mean it's it so anyways right now obviously we're not going to have that many to, to get go but as we build this community of people who are going to be streaming uh i see a lot that can happen with it i mean i'm starting to chat with beam a little bit the new uh microsoft platform too to maybe see how much integration can happen that's you know all of this down the line stuff but i am super excited uh and bringing the real life and connecting it to the digital world that's what this is all about and then highlighting that even more with both of those things right on screen from all over the world is it's just amazing. It's really amazing. And I just nothing but kudos to the guys uh, over at KISS and Zwift Power and now with Zwift on board, um, really doing a lot of work. God, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they deserve so much thanks and, and gratitude from the community. And, and it's good to see them getting some, actually. But do you, I mean, do you think, let me ask a really simple question. I think, you know, unless you're a very, very experienced racer and you spend a lot of time watching the streaming, it can be quite difficult to follow what's going on in the racing in more than one group at one time do you think this innovation is going to help that so listening to the interview with glenn a little bit i i'm not sure and also looking at zwift on board and what it's doing what we're doing is we're getting a perspective of the racer themselves so we'll be able to go to them and see their perspective but it's going to be very individual um, unless while they're suffering, they're clicking around for us, but they're not the caster. They're not the person who is controlling the content. They're just there riding and giving us some content from their perspective. So I don't think it's going to solve what we need for broadcasting tools. And that is something we have thrown on the requests continually to Zwift and that we really do need as far as broadcasting tools go. It's not going to change that need. Um, I don't believe that is going – it's going to make it easier for us to pop in with the C race or the D race or the B race or the A race to a very specific rider's perspective, but it will not give us an overview of what's happening in that race because as a broadcaster, I need to be able to go, here is uh, the lead group, here's the chase group, here is chase group B, C, D, and I need to be have a lot of freedom – around the different events, each A, B, C, and D event within an event. 
And so having those tools at my disposal uh, would be very, very helpful and something that we're asking for. Zwift on board is going to give us more of an individual experience of Zwift and show us what they're up to within the race. Yeah. 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 I, I get that. That's a very clear explanation, actually. So I think this is going to add a different dimension spec- to spectating, but it's not the full set of broadcast tools that would make it, certainly your life easier and the experience of spectating just a little bit easier in terms of being able to provide full coverage of every group in the race. Is, is, that, is that about right? Yeah, it'll add another dimension. You are completely correct there. It's another tool in the toolbox, but it's not a full uh, race tool set. And it, it, so, yeah, it definitely adds an amazing – it's another tool in the toolbox for broadcasting tools. It's going to add something absolutely amazing. Actually, probably the most one of the most important things would be the personal experience of the rider, what they're going through, seeing that live sweat, blood, and tears going on. Hopefully no blood. But you know what? I mean, it's going to be awesome to see that. Um, and right now we're seeing avatars that don't grimace and don't sweat. And so being able to see that real life expression, I think, is going to you know really bring uh, a real stamp actually on like this is racing. Like this is these guys are throwing down real efforts, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The human, the human suffering involved in the average Swift race will be will be clearly communicated on that. Uh, how far away from a set of broadcast tools do, do you think we are? I mean, I do know it's on Swift's mind. I believe it's on their mind. I think that there's other things hanging lower on the tree, though. I think that there's definitely quite a few other things that need to um, be done. I, I really have no idea. To be totally honest, I have no idea. Uh, I hope sooner than later. But at the same time, I mean, we have an iOS app that people are expecting. We have expansions people are wanting. I think that, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of Devo that needs to happen. And I have an assumption. May, well, here's the thing, though. Maybe I shouldn't assume that there's too much that needs to happen because the original build, I would think, would have a lot of freedom in it. And I would think that the um, the basic user build maybe has less freedom than the original build uh, that John had. So maybe there's something out there that could be uh, modified and uh, quickly handed out. But I have a feeling that they're on all engines firing right now, you know, in order to uh, produce everything that's already promised and things that we don't even know about. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair to them that probably have a a wider appeal to, to, to more users, not to denigrate racing in any way, because you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. Okay. Let's have a quick chat with another big figure in Swift and that's the Titanium Geek. And I asked him to come up briefly to talk to us about a, IRL in real life event that he's very closely involved in that's happening next weekend in the UK. Hello, James. Hello, Simon. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. So let's start with the basic one. What is ZwiftCon? Uh, it's a big bash for everyone to get together and look at the stuff that's on our side of the, the laptops, the computers, when it comes to Zwift. So what will people get if they attend? Well, we're going to split it across the weekend. So Saturday is going to be focused to World Bike Relief. And we're basically asking people to come along and put some miles in on those days. We've got the World Bike Relief team coming up. They're going to bring along uh, one of their Buffalo bikes. And we've got a series of challenges um, set during the day as well. Um, the other thing I think about ZwiftCon is it's going to give people the opportunity to try loads and loads of different trainers. You've got, you've got a full gamut there, have you not? On Sunday, we've managed to get most of the big guys there. We've got Cyclops coming, and they've advised us the actual Magnus should be with myself, hopefully this week, to get a Titanium Geek review out beforehand. They're going to try and get us the hammer. We've got great support from Elite and TAC, and we've also got uh, Wahoo providing all of their kickers. Um, So basically, if you're thinking about investing in one of the the big name um, turbos, you really need to pop along to ZwiftCon so you can try it and compare them. That's one of the things a lot of people have difficulty with. You can't compare these turbos because of how shops have formal contracts and things like that. James, we're we're a global audience, of course, for the podcast, but uh, let's just remind people that this is in the UK. So in reality, we're appealing to UK listeners here, but, but whereabouts is it? It's in the Midlands, isn't it? 
Uh, it's being uh, hosted by Run and Ride at Canuck Chase, and they've got a massive sort of warehouse-type place um, that should be able to fit as many people in as we can realistically get. Sounds great. And, I mean, it's quite the fashion at the moment, these uh, in-real-life meetups. I think. Um, what, what do you think the benefits of them are? I think it's great to actually meet people that we've, you know, we've seen and conversed online. Yeah, no, it, it, it is great to put a face to those uh, those online identities. And it can sometimes be quite surprising how that works out. Excellent. Well, the very, very best of luck with it. And on the next podcast, we'll, uh, we'll no doubt talk to you and, and find out how it went. Well done, James. And um, uh, I hope it's a big success. Take care, Simon. Thanks. OK, Nathan. Well, uh, that's about that for another podcast. Um, any news you can tell us before we say goodbye to the listeners? We are going to continue our uh, team training camp, Vision Team training camp, again next week, Wednesday. We'll get going with that again. So that's happening live. Make sure to check out that event in the Zwift app or in game. Make sure to join that on Wednesdays. We do live training on the uh, channels as well as have a discord that's open with live audio for coaching yeah so hang on that, yeah i just i want to catch up with you actually on on how the how the how the the last stride or actually the first stride in that series went i mean these are uh live coached group rides uh, with vision cycling and, and yourself how how did it go the first one did you keep the group together we kept the group together very well actually everybody listened real well and having the live audio with me communicating to them made it so easy. There's no typing, people missing messages, having to look real closely, all that's gone. And I just communicate directly via audio. Everyone responds immediately to what I say. Uh, it's real obvious what's needed and not needed. I say, oh, he so-and-so is here, so-and-so is here. Now we're all going to do this at this time and everybody does it. You know, it's And we did jumps for the first one, so it was just like sprint efforts uh, in order to open up for the race that was happening the next day. And there was huge response. Everybody absolutely loved it. We saw a ton of response in the Facebook groups. Um, so I think we had like 40 people show up the first time. I think we had up to 50 maybe for the second one. Jody Cundy jumped in on the second one, actually. It was great to have him. And, uh, you know, so it was, we actually did some uh, openers last Wednesday for the Team Worlds. So uh, that was a very specific to get ready for Team Worlds. And I did some coaching about, all right, here's what you should do between now and Worlds. And it's just kind of a you know, it's not just the workout itself. It's also a time that you get to ask questions because if you have push to talk, ready to go on the discord app. So we have a discord app that we use. You can download it on your phone or you can download it on your PC. You can also open it in your browser and uh, you hook your mic up and your headphones up to it. And from there, as long as you have, we make sure it's only push to talks. So there isn't a whole bunch of like noise in the background. Push to talk just means you push a button on your computer or on your phone in order to open up your mic to the Discord app so that we don't continually have background noise. And so uh, if you have that set up, you can ask me a question live at any time or interact with anyone in the group ride as well that are riding around you uh, with their avatars out on Zwift. It's, so it's working really, really well. And I'm really interested in this, actually, because it's a bit of a glimpse of the future when Zwift introduced audio, which which we know is coming relatively soon. How many people talked back to you and asked questions? And the reason I ask that is, you know, if I'm pushing on on Zwift, I have just enough breath available to get oxygen in and carbon dioxide out. I certainly don't have enough breath to ask people questions. Uh, are other people just, uh, do they have more breath available than I do? I mean, do, you know, did you get questions back? So the purpose of the ride is actually to sharpen very specific tools. I'm giving workouts that are really, really focused on some peak powers at different time zones. And so part of the vision training camp is helping people not to just go to tempo zone all the time, to right. not just not to waste so much time, actually, and actually be able to use their time to the highest efficiency as they possibly can. And so I'm giving the workouts I'm using are specifically designed so that we have very focused time followed by rest time. And right. so during the rest time is the time people are talking. And yeah, we had, I think, at least 10 people chatting back at me. Shane actually joined in on the first one and he was chatting away. Of course, Shane's always chatting away. So he was he was very vocal during it. But yeah, we've definitely had people chatting back. I think people are still learning 
how to get their mic set up and mm-hmm. how to get the push to talk. If you're going to join it, I really encourage if you'd like to interact with people during the ride, uh, don't be shy. That's another thing I feel that people are kind of shy. They are live. You are chatting live with me in front of other people that are on the uh, Beam.pro YouTube as well as Twitch. But uh, outside of being shy and not having a setup, we have a lot of people actually talking back. So it's been great. Yeah, yeah. I could see how that could work, actually. I mean, even even me, I think, could frame a short question in uh, kind of the bottom of zone two. So uh, 1.0 to 2.0, that's all we're doing during our yeah. rest times, really. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Uh, pretty chill. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, well, I hope people look out for those because they sound a really great experience. Nathan, thanks so much as ever for your uh, time and your very well-informed and always positive contribution to the Zwiftcast. Thanks very much indeed. Look forward to talking to you next time. And this is Live Me saying goodbye and thank you to pre-recorded Shane. No worries. Thank you. Uh, Pre-recorded Simon with me and Live Nathan, who's probably listening right now, and uh, to the... Um, what would you call the audience? Listeners. Thank you, listeners. And of course, dear listeners, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll all be pre-recorded. None of us are live, but I think you know what I was trying to get out there. I was just being honest on uh, who was being spoken to at what time. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Time for the usual little house announcement that I am, as ever, incredibly grateful and very thankful to Zwift for supporting the podcast but just to remind you that even though we benefit from their support they don't influence what we say in any way at all um wbr coming up i hope to see lots of you out there on course for a really big event in zwiftland until then and during that time ride on <laughs>